When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm delighted, I've been la-di-da-din Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top Man, these boys, they be potting I trust them like a lot And they told me that I get it Guess what? I got it You should do it too You will never lose If you ever do Must have been a ruse Ricky, that's my dude Stoops is super cool Sharks up in the pool I've been sparking up my tools I've been looking to win Spend a little again I've been first fiddled it in my God, I riddled again. I told them stop clowning around. They said what goes up comes down. I said I'm down with the sickness. My team stay ill now. Come get this. I'm just so David and light. I stay ready tonight. Deep dive, we rise. That's the melee, alright? D- David delight. D- David delight. Da 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 David delight. Hey. Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Life brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we're going to start previewing the conferences that are scheduled to play this fall. We're going to kick it off with the SEC. As always, I'm joined by my co-host here. Stoops, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Glad we started off with the best conference out there. So um, I'm excited to dive into it, and I'm not talking about a certain player that I said I would not talk about. So I held to my word. I held I'm to my proud word. of you. I don't. Your list came to me. It didn't yep. have Kyle Trask on it. No Kyle Trask, but well, at least we mentioned his name, so people know. Yes, and we didn't have. You didn't have Demond Boss either. I was very impressed by that too. You know what I mean? Like I was. You're I growing up in guy, front of us. You know. What I, I do mean? have an A&M guy though. Yes, I mean, there's multiple A&M guys on this episode, <clears throat> as um, there should be. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about this because actually, it, the, for me, this is kind of like the first kind of normal podcast we're finally yeah. getting to really kind of have focusing and honing in on this 2020 season that is going to be weird, but at the same time, there's football going to be played and we're going to be, um, we're going to be covering these guys. One quick thing before we introduce our fun guests for the episode, if you did not hear, we launched a discord channel. It's super, super exciting. The Debbie delight has joined forces with the fantasy football Roundtable. You get Matthew Fox, you get Matt Bruning, you got Dennis, um, get Dennis. I forgot Dennis's last name. You get Dennis, you get Stoops, you get myself <laughs> and you get them all inside one, um, discord chat. We have chat for, for, um, for rankings. We did redraft rankings. We have that up. We have a consensus redraft rankings. We've got our Debbie rankings up there. We've got our rookie rankings up there. Um, we've already got trade questions, rate your team. We have so many different things that you're able to gain access to, and it's 1,000% free right now. And that's the exciting part. You have access to five, four of the really great minds in this industry and myself. And it, it's super cool because within the first 24 hours, we've already had people join us. And it's fantastic. It's been great to see the questions kind of come in and, you know, what is my team? Rate my team. And it was pretty cool to look at these mm-hmm. teams and then get the idea of what they were. And it's kind of exciting to launch this soup, isn't it? It is. I, I've, I've, it, it's always worrisome, right? What's it going to ha- What's it going to be like? What's going to happen? Is anybody going to join it? The amount of people that have gotten in already and the amount of, of messages that have yeah. come through has been pretty awesome. So excited to see what the future holds with it. 
Exactly, me too. And this week we are joined from footballdiehards.com, John Lobb. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. You know, it's interesting you said the best conference. While I reluctantly now agree with you, because I grew up <laughs> a Big Ten fan, I'm a Michigan fan. As an hey, older man, oh, me too. I loved it. So you got to remember in the 70s and 80s, Ohio State and Michigan were always on, not always, but probably like eight out of 11 weeks, the one o'clock kickoff in the Northeast. And my, my family, my dad's side is from Detroit. So I grew up as a Michigan fan. But now as an old man who loves draft prospects and college, you, you got to give it up to the SEC. The talent in the SEC. And look it, I was hoping to talk about Kyle Trask, even though I know my man Stoops is higher as an NFL prospect than I am. I know you like Kyle Trask, but we'll have no more Kyle Trask discussion. <laughs> We've had Kyle Trask talk about five. His name was mentioned five times, so um, I don't want to get, you know, Stoops <laughs> made a promise last week whenever we were announcing we are going to talk about the SEC, um, which is pretty funny because, like, if, if I would have done that with Joe Burrow last year, you probably would have heard Joe Burrow's name a lot less with our podcast. I mentioned Joe Burrow at least once, I think, every episode heading into you know, draft season. And I just we'll be talking to- about tight ends. He'd be like, well, Joe Burrow. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he throws the tight ends. Dude. What are you talking about? Well, here's better. You're talking about the American Athletic Conference. Did I tell you about Joe Burrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Big Ten, if we talk about, hey, do you remember the time that Joe Burrow? Yeah, he, he played. But uh, all right, enough about Burrow, enough about um, – uh, Trask. All right, Steve, I'm going to let you kick it off talking about the quarterback that you're uh, going to talk about today inside the SEC. Yeah, so the quarterback I'm going to touch base on is Ryan Helensky out of South Carolina. He was one that, that coming out of high school, um, four-star prospect, 64, 64th ranked uh, player in his class. He was the number two ranked pro-style quarterback and the 12th uh, ranked player out of California. So he definitely was a, a higher ranked QB prospect. Obviously, he wasn't a five-star guy, but We've seen it a lot, right? These four-star guys will come in and, and they win that starting role and they really showcase what they're able to do. His stats are not eye-popping by by any stretch of the imagination, right? He only has 57% completion rate, 2,400 passing yards. He only had 12 passing touchdowns and he did throw six interceptions. So that's a ratio you 100% want to see increase. But you got to think, a, a true freshman coming into the SEC, it's going to be brutal. A, a first-year starter, nonetheless, right? Give him a couple years. It's still going to be pretty brutal. But the game that really, and I've said this before, the game that really separated him and kind of showed, like, he's got something, he's just got to figure it out, was against Alabama. I don't have the stats necessarily pulled up, but he had, like, 57 pass attempts. Um, he had that pass that it just – it was a, a rope, right, between two defenders. Kai caught it for a touchdown pass. It, it was – it was a hell of a throw. So that was kind of that moment where I was like, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look a little bit more into him. And, and since then, I, I really kind of watched him. But I'm a big Helensky fan, but his stats are not eye-popping at all. But what I did is I went through, kind of looked at what he did versus SEC opponents and then versus non-SEC opponents and kind of got some ratios there. So when he played against the SEC, obviously his numbers are going to be higher because he has more more games in, in conference than he does outside of the conference. But Still, 55.6 completion percent, just under 1,700 passing yards, nine passing touchdowns, and only two interceptions. So the fact that he only threw two interceptions within conference, to me, that does show that he's got the abilities against that top competition, and he is able to read the defenses in in some capacity at an early, early level. So I think having a year into it, he's going to be able to – 
address situations and and assess you know coverages and everything a little bit different having seen it in the now basically a whole year under his belt so rushing attempts we've always looked at that it's kind of odd he did he had negative 33 rushing yards but he did get sacked a lot he did get sacked a lot so i know that some for some reason plays a factor into it but 77 first downs out of his 109 came within conference the big big issue that i do have outside of obviously being a true freshman and all that he had six total fumbles throughout the season Four of them came in conference. He's he's got to hold on to the ball, right? We we've said it. So he's got to get better at feeling the pressure. Um, which that's a trait that I think sometimes goes underlooked. Um, I don't want to say it's undervalued, but a lot of people don't talk about it as much. When you can feel the pressure behind you, which I'll be the first to tell you, I don't I don't know how they. That's just kind of like a sixth sense that you know is is just with someone that that, that kind of goes to that next level. So I think it's something definitely needs to to get worked on. But um, hold on to the ball, right? Four of his six fumbles came within conference, so that's definitely something he needs to improve upon. Broke it down again. What was his percentages? You know, as far as yards, touchdowns, interceptions within conference and out of conference. So in conference, seventy point five percent of his passing yards came within the SEC games. Um, and again. Eight of his eight of his games came with it or, or conference games, so of course it's going to be a higher percentage. But you got to love to see it above seventy percent. And the passing touchdowns, seventy five percent of them came within conference, and then thirty three point three percent of his interceptions were in conference. So he did throw most of his interceptions outside of the conference games against, which is odd, but against lesser opponents per se. You know, and again, I don't have the full on schedule pulled up in front of me, but it was not against SEC. But the fumbles, that's just where I kind of come back to it. He's just got to get that 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 honed in and, and a little bit better. You know, um, taking care of the ball is really what he's got to do. But watching him on film, watching his games, I was a big fan. He's got a lot of work. I'm not saying he's a polished prospect by any stretch of the imagination. He's got a lot of work to, to clean things up. But I'm a big fan of Ryan Helinski, especially in like a Campus Canton style league. He is 100%. I drafted him in, I think, one or two of the leagues that I'm in. I'm 1,000% taking my chances on him. You're going to get him later. Um, a lot of people are either completely out on him or are going to wait until the 25th, 30th round, you know, whatever it might be. So um, Brian Helinski is definitely a guy. I mean, he's 6'3", 230. He's got some good size to him. Um, I know Ricky likes the 6'9 quarterbacks, but 6'3", 6'3", is a good height, you know. So I, I like what I see out of him. And I, I think as long as he can improve, keep improving his game and, and you know, I don't even want to say throw less interceptions because six is okay. It's not great. It's okay, um, especially in the SEC. But you got to throw more than twelve passing touchdowns, right? So if he can continue to improve and you know polish up a couple aspects of his game, I think he can be a quarterback. A lot of people start talking about. I agree. Uh, I don't like your insinuation <laughs> that I like all my quarterbacks being six nine. That is a tad bit wrong. Um, they have to be at least six five. Uh, all right, <laughs> John, who is the quarterback within the SEC that you're going to tell us about today? I'm going to go with another sophomore quarterback. And last year, if you followed me or listened to me and talk about quarterbacks, it was the year of the freshman. It was such an amazing season. Sam Howell, North Carolina State, or North Carolina, sorry. Keaton Slovis, USC, Jaden Daniels, Arizona State, and in the SEC, Bo Nix. I'm going to talk about Bo Nix. I think he's fallen underneath the radar. I have him in my top 10 Debbie prospects. I think what happened at him, expectations were so high, and he had a good, not a great season. And because of Howell and Slovis's success, 
that were extraordinary. Like, I don't think people understand how good Howell and Slovis were as true freshmen. It was silly. So I can't put Bo Nix into that bucket because it's an unfair comparison. Also, let's be real. Bo Nix plays in the SEC West. That is not the Pac-12. That is not the ACC. He's playing LSU, Alabama. Bo Nix led the Tigers to a 9-4 record and 5-3 record in the SEC West. One stat that I like, he had 16 touchdowns to six interceptions. I would love to have seen three to one. That would have been a spectacular, 18 to six. But I'm okay with 16 to six. The young man played well. Also, I think a lot of people probably only watched the Oregon game. Remember Auburn opened up at Oregon? It was a highly publicized game. True freshman quarterback. I think they made a decision that they this is who he is. That is incorrect. Look, he was a star in Alabama. He set state records in high school with 12,000 total career yards of offense and 161 total touchdowns. You're talking about an elite prospect. Six foot two, 213 pounds. He is a dual threat quarterback. He's not a terrific passer, but there's room for improvement. He only completed 57.6% of his passes. We needed to get up to 65%. But I will put it into context. SEC West competition. Okay? If this young man, let's magically put him at UCLA. Would he have completed a higher percentage of his passes and produced more stats? I think so, depending on one's opinion of Brian Kelly. But when you look at the opponents, there's no question he would have had an easier time completing passes. I think he is being overlooked. He's SEC freshman of the year last year. He threw for 2,500 yards. And he's the first true freshman quarterback to start for Auburn since 1946. This is going to be a big year for the young man. I expect him to take a step forward. I would love to see him exceed that three-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. In a great world, he goes 24-8, and 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Now, I understand the schedule's a little different. He's not going to have those cupcake games that, you know, to mm-hmm. you know, maybe put up eight to ten touchdowns in the first two games. But I like Bo Nix to take a step forward here, folks. Also, he's going to be on campus for two more seasons. I like this young man. He has the skill set and the size of the modern dual-threat NFL quarterback. He needs to take a step forward, but I think he's being overlooked, everyone. All right, so quick question. This is going to determine whether or not I kick you off the show or not. (laughs) Slavis or Howell? Who's higher on your rankings? Ah, I have Slovis at three, Howell at four. Yes! 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 
yes, you can stay on the show. You're welcome. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> um that's it's it's an ongoing battle between stoops and i it's going to be probably talked about for like the next two years on this podcast um, um we're, i'm a big time slavis guy he's a big time um you know sam howell guy he likes midgets as, as his quarterback so it's understandable but um time to transition into a not so midget here uh jamie newman's gonna got gonna be the guy i talk about i have talked about newman a lot i wrote up an article about him as well six four two thirty um, three-star prospect, obviously transferred out of Wake Forest into Georgia. This is one of the guys that I think this is the most important season of their careers heading into this season because there's so many questions around Newman. When he came out of college, is this the guy, you know, when he went to Wake Forest, what did they do with him, right? You know what I mean? They kind of put him in this RPO-style offense that he was running in Wake Forest, and that's just not the offense that suits his abilities. Don't get me wrong. Newman can throw. Newman can run. But his he's better suited for that uh, dual-threat quarterback in a way of which, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes and, and not comparing. Please, God, no, not comparing. But, <laughs> you know, Russell Wilson and stuff like that. Runs whenever he needs to, whenever it breaks down, but it's, it's not his first thought process. It's never been his – and Wake Forest kind of turned him into that quarterback. And last year, he struggled at times. Um, Stoops has been kind of the big one to kind of showcase where he divides it up in, you know, versus talent, right? Whenever you face these cupcake guys, you want them to go out there and light up these guys. But when they're facing guys within their conference, ACC is not the hardest in the entire world. But when you break down his stats, it is kind of ugly to look at his stats within the ACC, right? So last season – the uh, last season, he had 26 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, 2,800 yards for the for the entire season. Um, the one thing that I looked at, though, within the ACC, struggling against the ACC, can you imagine what Newman's going to do against the SEC this year? Okay, so he had 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Nine of his 11 interceptions came within the conference of the ACC. So that that to me is alarming as well. The one game he had against the Big Ten. He went 12 for 27, 44%, you know, 44% completion percentage, only 175 yards. He did have the three touchdowns, but it was interesting to see that he also had an interception in that game. His two big you know, the two couple of big games that he had last year, he struggled against the ACC and then struggled against the Big Ten as well. Some of the things that I love about Newman, right? He's a straight baller, right? He puts his head down, he fights for the extra yards. He completed 25 passes passes of at least 25 yards last year. Uh, which was the fifth most in the in the entire uh, college football, which is obviously you love to see stuff like that. Um, I think that, you know, he has the toughness, but I would like to see him kind of turn around and be that uh, franchise signal caller this year, right? I want him to see take command of the offense. I want him to take command of that Georgia offense, right? Obviously, he's going to, throughout the season, going to have a five-star prospect breathing down his neck the entire season Obviously, if Jamie Newman does start week one, which I would anticipate that he does, I, I think that he's going to. With JT Daniels breathing down his neck, it's going to be interesting. But for me, he's got a gorgeous touch on the ball. He's got nice ball placement in the red zone. He does a wonderful job with the play action. I would like to see him work on more of his short and intermediate throws. He struggles at times with the short passing. He's a little errant with his throws. Um, I liked, I would like for him to work on that vision, right? Um, I do think that sixth sense is one of those things that I talked about last year with a quarterback that I will not, you know, not name out of LSU. But last year, you know, he had that sixth sense. Burrow has that sixth sense, right? He knew when that guy was about to breathe down his neck. It's you can't teach that. I personally don't feel like it's a teachable asset. You either have it or you kind of don't. You know what I mean? You have to be a half a set, 
half a second faster than the guy that's chasing you. And Newman, I think, has that. Um, I would like to see him be able to read the, uh, the the wide receivers a little and the defense a little bit faster. I want to see him go from one to two to three instead of one, then run. You know what I mean? That's what the Wake Forest offense is like. But the talent level that he's about to play with, that offensive line that he's about to play with in Georgia is light years better than what we see out of Wake Forest, right? Being able to throw, being able to throw to George Pickens, <laughs> come on, you know what I mean? You got you got White in the backfield. You've got a loaded offensive that that offensive line is one of the best in the in the entire country. So the the thing about it is, is Joe, Jamie Newman going into the season, if he does not produce, I could very well see Jamie Newman being a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, and maybe even an undrafted quarterback because there's not going to be any excuses for him, right? I understand we got he doesn't he might not know the offense right away, but the thing about it is nobody's going to really care about any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Because if you look at his Wake Forest tape, if you look at his Wake Forest tape, it's 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 good, but it's not great. So for me, Jamie Newman's a guy that I I, I love to talk about because I think it's he's got potential, but I need to see him do it this year against this SEC because if he struggled against the ACC, what he's going to do against the uh, SEC could be. Georgia could be in a world of trouble because I think their season rides on that quarterback play because we saw what Fromm did last year. They never let Fromm do kind of just throw the ball. You know what I mean? Maybe Newman, they'll let kind of just do what he wants with the ball, but it'll be interesting to see what he does. So 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 let me ask you real quick. I have a question for you this time. Do you actually believe that Georgia's going to radically change their offense? I've had this debate all off season. Is I know Kirby Smart hired a new offensive coordinator. But he's had so much success running the football. He's got one of the best defenses in the nation. Is he actually going to change or is he going to reel in that coordinator and make him run the football? What do you think, my friend? I think they need to open up the offense. I think the reason they lost. I agree. I think think they have to. I think if they're going to compete this year, they're going to have to. And I say this because if you look last year at some of the games that they lost, they lose games, close games, because they're afraid to open up the pass game. They've got to put a little bit of faith in Newman or Daniels or whoever has a quarter. They had no faith in Fromm. I think Fromm was a lot better than what they gave Fromm. You know what I mean? They didn't let Fromm ever really air out the ball. You know what I mean? But when they finally did, they were down 20 points, and they needed to come back. And then, of course, Fromm looked like a hot bag of garbage. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fromm had the talent. They just did not utilize his talent. Newman has the talent to get the ball down the field. They just need to utilize his talent to get the ball down the field. What were you going to say, Stoops? No, I was going to ask you. So it's like if Newman comes in and, and is is struggling three games in, four games in, like do you think they make the switch? Like do they just throw Daniels that, in or do they just say, nope, Dan, this is Newman's time, you're next year? Like what do you think they'll make that change? I think it's going to depend on the pressure from the crowd, right? You know what I mean? Not not the well, crowd at the stadium. I'm talking about like the <laughs> the noise from the outside in because they're gonna they're they're Kirby. He's, they're gonna want Kirby to win games, right? You oh, know yeah. what I mean? He he was brought you in to win to. a national championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? SEC title games. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like they're gonna have a little bit of leeway with Newman based on this being his last year because Daniels would be the quarterback next mm-hmm. year and Daniels. Man, we know Daniels. Daniels is good, right? Mm-hmm. Daniels is really good, in my opinion. I think he he's just got be... Slovis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He did. You know, he did get Slovis, and you know, well, you know, obviously he's the better quarterback, but that's beside the point. You know what I mean? But um, 
But yeah, I, I like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the trigger on him. I mean, I feel like I would, you know, I would, in, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Smart's he's not playing for his job, but you know, another mediocre season in a season where their their schedule's really not that hard if you look at it. They've got a couple tough games, but it, it, this would be the year for kind of like a Georgia team to kind of step up, utilize that top defense, utilize a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field and win the SEC. You know what I mean? This could be a down year for Alabama. We just don't know. But transitioning to the running back position, what do you got for us, Stoops? Yeah, so the guy I'm going to touch base on, um, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. Looking at his stats last year, um, they're they're actually very good numbers. Um, once it gets broken down a little bit more, it's, it's kind of a little, little different story. But um, 241 rush attempts, just over 1,300 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, he had 18 receptions on 22 targets. That's 81.8% catch rate. So that's actually a really solid number from a running back, um, especially with limited you know, targets in most cases, which this year I, I think that number is going to skyrocket. I'm not saying it's going to be 70, 80 targets. I don't, I don't think it's going to be there, but I do think it's going to be in the, at least the mid-40s um, as far as targets go. I think he's going to definitely see a, a different role in that aspect, and I think his total carries for, for rush attempts anyway – probably down closer to let's call it the 200 mark. You know, he, he might see less rush attempts, but more passing ability or, or pass catch opportunities, but he had 180 receiving yards and only one receiving touchdown touchdown on 68 first down. So again, you look at it from, from sec opponents versus non sec opponents. So when you're in the sec, um, especially from a running back, that's kind of where I want to see a lot of your stats come from. Cause it really does showcase what your abilities are and what you, or your, your, Basically, how to translate essentially to that next level. It, it kind of puts you in a different tier, in my opinion. So 153 rush attempts, 763 rushing yards, and eight rushing touchdowns inside the SEC. Um, this one kind of matches non-SEC and SEC, but he had 11 targets, nine receptions, so 41 yards inside the SEC with no touchdown, no receiving touchdowns. When you break it down again, percentages, where where does each come, right? And this one, I, I compared his percentages to... Um, a Najee Harris, right? And I'll get to that in just a second. But Kylan Hill, 63.5% of his rush attempts came in SEC games and 56.7% of his rushing yards came inside the SEC. When you translate to, to Najee Harris, or you move over to look at his stats, 63.6% of his rush attempts were inside the SEC games, but 65.7% of his rushing yards were against SEC opponents. You're talking about almost a 10% difference in your rushing yards coming against those top defenses in the SEC. So I think that's one thing. And I know some people aren't going to necessarily break it down in that level, but we talk about Najee Harris as a one of the top running backs in the class, right? We're not saying, you know, number one running back. Some some may have him as their RB1, but he's one of those, those top three guys, right, that we're talking about, Najee Harris, Najee Harris. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's doing a lot of his his – they're getting a lot of his stats against the SEC. And um, again, most of their games come in conference. I get it. But you're you're seeing what he's doing against those top competitions, and he's getting it done at a high level. So back to Kylan Hill, 80% of his rushing touchdowns came inside the SEC games, and that's that's phenomenal. Um, you know, so it was what where are we at? Eight of his ten obviously came inside the the SEC games. 50% of his receptions were were one way or the other, and 51.5% of his first downs. But when you watch his games, like he's got the abilities, the the skill sets are there. He's able to really, really get the, you know, find the holes. He's got the speed. He's there. 
But one alarming what I was going through and getting these, I, I looked at it. So when he played, or when, when Mississippi State played Auburn, Alabama, and LSU, his combined stats 47 rush attempts for only 114 yards and one rushing touchdown for five first downs. That's not very good. Um, that's not very good. He had games where it was against Alabama, I think. I'm sorry, against AM. He had 21 rush attempts for 150 yards and a touchdown. He had one game where he almost had those stats. Obviously, 47 rush attempts is would be a lot, but he had more rushing, more rushing yards, and he had the same amount of touchdowns. And I think he ended up with four or five first downs in that game. So it, it's just when he was playing those top three schools, in my opinion, you know, as big of an AM fan as I am, I know there that defense was was needing some help. Um watch out for this year though. But anyway, um it's just when you look at those three games, it, it, those aren't numbers you want to see. Now I'm not expecting him to go out there and throw up 190 yards and six touchdowns. You know, I'm not expecting that against an Alabama and LSU or an Auburn, but at the same time, 47 rush attempts, you got to be at least 250 yards at minimum with let's call it three touchdowns. I think those numbers would be a little bit more of a respectable aspect to look at, but he's just got to improve against those top competition uh, or against the, the top teams. Um, because when you look at his other games in the conference, he had pretty solid numbers. You know, it may only have been 90 yards or so, but like that's that's still a respectable when you only have 17 carries. Like, I'm good with that. Got to see him, you know, a little bit better against Auburn, Alabama, and LSU. He is still a guy that I'm targeting in quite a few of my Debbie leagues and even the Campus to Canton leagues. So um, I'm not saying steer clear of him. I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal back. He's definitely going to have a role at the next level. I'm not saying he's going to be one of those lead backs. He's not going to be, you know, the guy per se. But he's going to be one of those that comes in, finds a role, and has a pretty consistent career um, throughout you know, the NFL landscape of things. So definitely keep an eye on him. I, I think he's going to showcase his pass-catching abilities a little bit more this year. Um, it's just kind of kind of a given when when you know you got a new head coach coming in that, that likes to throw the ball 700 times a game. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But Kylan Hill, definitely keep an eye, eye on him. He was a four-star guy coming out. Good size, 5'11", 215. So I like him. Kylan Hill. John, who you got from us at the running back position? I like Kylan Hill, too, so I'm glad we broke him down. I'm going to go to Texas A&M, the Aggies here. Jim, Jimbo Fisher is beginning his third year on the school. Now, he's not going to coach this year because we know Jimbo's – let's just say some things happened on campus. But the Jimbo's got his recruits into campus here. Any SEC running back, to me – who gets over 750 yards as a freshman, someone you've got to open your eyes to and look at. Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M. He's a polarizing kind of prospect. I'm on Team Spiller. He's still got time. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick. But six foot one, 220-pound sophomore. He's got the size and athleticism and run skills that you are looking for. Last year, he was all SEC freshman team. He had 946 yards, people, on only 203 carries. But what I like about him, he had 29 receptions, and he scored 10 touchdowns. In the modern game, we want pass-catching running backs. That is the way to go. So you're talking about a true freshman who stepped onto campus became the lead dog in the backfield and was able to run effectively and catch passes. Now, 
I understand. His big plays came and his big yardage totals came against lower level competition. That's the knock on him. And I understand that. But my friends, he played in the SEC. Texas A&M is building a program. Their offensive line was not unbelievable. Now, I believe they get all five of their starters back this year. They're going to implement Jimbo's run game. The run game is going to get better. Would I love that cupcake schedule? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love to have seen Isaiah Spiller put up 450 yards in that cupcake schedule. I get it's not going to happen. They're going to be better this year with that, that line, that veteran line, and a second year for Spiller, and a third year in Jimbo's running game. They're going to be better running the football. In high school, Under Armour All-American, 3,587 yards from scrimmage and 53 touchdowns. Isaiah Spiller has room to grow. This is a good running back. He's going to grow behind a better offensive line in a system and a program that is coming together around him. I like Isaiah Spiller. People aren't talking about him. They focus on those game logs, people. He was a true freshman. In Jimbo's second year with an inexperienced offensive line, now the offensive line is more together. They've been in this system for three years, some of them. Isaiah Spiller is someone you got to watch. He's going to have a much better sophomore season, and he will be better against higher competition. Yeah, I, uh, Spiller, that's the first time anybody from a and ever been talked about on this podcast, ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it's funny to me, Stoops and I, we always talk about how the fact that, you know, yeah, all right, versus lesser talent or lesser teams, et cetera, et cetera. But for me personally, those are the games that you want them to see them go crazy, right? Yes. You know, when you talk about like a, um, you know, we talked about quarterbacks last year that would literally face these, you know, lower tier schools and be like, oh my God, he went one touchdown, one interception. Well, why? Like you should be out there throwing six touchdowns in the first half against mm-hmm. some of the, you know, the UABs or the University of Pennsylvania Academy of Russians, you know, the Michigan Wolverines, you know, exactly. whatever. Oh, ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. Wow. Transitioning to the court running back I'm going to talk about. God, AM sucks. I hope they blow it this year. All right. It's going to be Eric Gray out of the University of Tennessee. Um, I'm a big yum, fan. Yum. I, I, I love this kid a whole lot. 5'10, 195, running back out of Memphis, Tennessee. He was a four-star prospect. This is I was looking up some of his high school stats, right? He went down as one of the most productive backs in Tennessee high school history with 8,800 yards, averaged 9.4 yards per carry, 19.5 yards per reception, and had a total of 132 touchdowns. In three seasons, he averaged 40 touchdowns per season um, from his sophomore season on to his senior season, which is also absolutely absurd. He he had 43 games of which he started in high school. 37 of those games, he had over 100 yards rushing. Um, he dominated the field in high school. We saw a little bit of gray last year. Nowhere near as much as I want to see. 
I think we're going to see a lot more. He only had he had single-digit carries in 10 of the 13 games that he played last year. I will say this, in the 10, you know, in the 10 carries, that he, the games that he had over 10 carries, he looked like the high school running back that they wanted whenever they recruited him, right? He had 56 carries, 409 yards, four touchdowns, averaged 7.3 yards per carry in the three games that he had over 10 carries. I will say this as well with a caveat here. The big game came against Vandy, which was funny because we talk about beating up the bad teams. Well, they finally gave him the ball 25 times, and what did he finally do with the football? 246 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Yes, it's against Vandy, but yes, you still have to be productive on the football field. So the first time they kind of gave him the you know the keys to the car, he handed 9.8 yards per carry, had a hell of a game. Um, that week and I, I'm excited to see a lot more of that this year he's got some solid speed he's got that burst in the short areas you want to see out of a running back he's got the good instincts and the thing that is key just like John and Stoops have talked about you need to have three down backs in the foot in the National Football League if you can't catch the ball you're probably not going to see the football field a whole lot <laughs> it's an anomaly now in the NFL right it used to be the ground and pound you know what I mean? Even Derrick Henry catches the ball out of the backfield. You know what I mean? Like these big guys, anybody, big or small, you're going to have to be, if you're going to be a three down back in the NFL, you have got to learn how to catch the football. And that and that's just the transformation of the NFL as a collective whole. So he's got good hands out of the backfield. I would like to see him more involved in the passing game this year as well. I feel like UT needs to rely on him a little bit more with the with the just mediocre quarterback play because we all know that the GOAT Bailey's coming into town next year. He's going to be that guy. And I can't wait to watch Bailey come into town. He's going to be the – he's already the – you know, he's going to be the number two quarterback prospect in the Debbie world after, you know, Trevor Lawrence leaves because he's already better than Sam Howell. It hasn't even taken a snap in college football yet. But what I want to say is this. Um, I want to see him more active with the team this year. I want to see multiple games of 15, 20, 25 carries. I want to see multiple games of five receptions, six receptions, seven receptions. I want to see if he could put on a little bit of weight and a little bit of size. I want to see him put a little bit more muscle and a little more meat to those bones. I really feel like we can see Gray turn into that three down back into the NFL. I'm a big fan of Gray. I think that he's going to have a monster season this year. They've got a Somewhat hard schedule, but it doesn't really matter. If you look at what Keyshawn Vaughn did in Vanderbilt last year on a very, 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 very bad team, it's possible for Gray to break out regardless of how Tennessee does as a collective whole. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. Vanderbilt, not only were they a bad team, their offensive line might have been worse than the team itself. Exactly. And he still balled out. And he He still balled out. He did. I still find it funny when we when we talk to him down in in Mobile, he kind of said that without saying. He's like, you know, we uh, our team wasn't you know the best, but I did what I needed to do. And it's like, we get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We get what you're saying. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. the team was not very good. Yeah. But uh, transitioning to the wide receiver position, Stoops, who do you got for us? So the time is here. It's my my time to talk about some A and M guys. So or guy. Um, so Jamon Osmond, that's who I'm going to touch base on. I, I truly feel that he's one of the most underrated receivers, um, that's going to be coming out for the, well, well, no, he will. Yeah. Cause it's senior season. So he'll be coming out. So he was only a four-star guy coming out. And I always say only right. As if that's a knock, right. But he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. He was ranked 73rd, um, in his class. He was the 10th ranked wide receiver in number 14 in Texas, which as we know, produces Texas, California, Florida. Like there's those certain states that just produce top talent continuously. So he was top 15 basically in his recruiting class. When you look at his 2019 stats 
again, they're solid, but they're not necessarily overly eye-popping for the number one receiver on a team. 68 receptions on 95 targets, so 71.6 catch right there, 901 yards, only had five receiving touchdowns on 41 first downs. Or had 41 first downs, I should say, but zero fumbles, so that's good. You know, zero fumbles from a receiver. Um, you like seeing that 100%. Against the SEC, again, that that's to me, and I, this is probably not fair, but I compared his percentages to Jamar Chase. We'll get to that in a second. But... Um, I did that for one simple reason. One, it's just for, Jamar Chase, obviously he's, and I'm not saying Jamon Osmond should be held to that level of, you know, comparison, top first round. That's not where I'm going with it, but it was just, he's the guy everyone's talking about and looking at his percentages. So anyway, stats versus the SEC, 44 receptions on 61 targets, 528 receiving yards, only had two touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns inside the SEC. I've said this so many times, his quarterback, didn't, didn't help him a whole lot, right? But what I'll say is they did go to high school together at, over at IMG. They've obviously been at AM together since day one. That chemistry's there, which is why I feel the stats should be higher. I am not saying Kellen Mond needs to just hone in on, on Osmond and that's it because we got another stud receiver that just came in, right? Old Damas. But anyway, I had to throw the name in there. So I just think in the SEC, right, you, you've got to – you got to showcase your abilities. That that's how you're really able to differentiate yourself from someone from a different conference. If you've got the same stats or better in the SEC compared to someone in the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big 12, so on and so forth, I personally would give someone that bump. Is it my SEC bias because A&M's there? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But when you look at the percentages, 64.2% of his targets came inside the SEC game. 64.7% of his catches were against SEC opponents and 58.6 receiving yard percentage of his receiving yards came versus SEC. When you look at Jamar Chase, again, maybe it's not fair to choose him, but he was the first one that popped in my mind, so that's what I went with. Obviously, he had a clearly first-round quarterback throwing to him, number one pick overall, right? And Joe Burrow, who's already been talked about 27 times in the, the beginning of the podcast, but um, 70.8% of, uh, Jamar Chase's targets came against SEC opponents, 71.4% of his catches and 71.7% of his receiving yards. He, he got it. The LSU team did in general, but Jamar Chase's stats came against the SEC. And I think that's a huge reason outside of his 20 touchdowns, 1800 yards, but you know, besides all of that, obviously it was the fact that he did so much against the SEC that separates himself. That's why I think that AM needs to take that step in general. But Jamon Osmond's just got to get it done against the um the SEC opponents, especially now. Obviously, this year it is all SEC. So of course, all of his stats will be against SEC. I get that. But he's he's gotta have if he doesn't hit over a thousand yards and close to eight, nine touchdowns, I personally would call it a disappointment of a season. I still believe him in as a prospect. I think he's undervalued. He's 6'2, 218. Probably will put on a little bit more weight. You know, you always hear these these, these rookies coming in, right? They come in at, let's call it 205, but then you see them, they bulk up to 220, right? And now it's just a whole different player. So I think he's one that's, you know, 6'2". If he can get up to 225 kind of thing, I think even that seven pounds would really help him. Um, so I think he's undervalued. I think he's definitely someone that, that needs to be talked about more. He's got hands, right? It's just when your quarterback isn't the ac most accurate person out there, it makes it a little bit more challenging to catch uh, all these passes. So 
I think Jamon Osmond needs to be talked about a little bit more. Um, just watch the film on him. He creates separation. He he's he's great in the 50-50 aspect of things. Um, I, I think he's just someone to to really dive deeper into, watch the film, look at the numbers a little bit more in depth, and then just kind of get your own obviously opinion on him. But he's definitely someone that that I feel a lot of people are are sleeping on. And I've noticed in Devi leagues, um, even campus to canton leagues, anything like that, I'm catch I'm getting him. 20th or later round, you know, which I personally think that's a steal. I, I think he should be someone, I'm not saying he's a top five round, you know, guy, but to get him in those 15 to 20 range, like that's to me, that that's a steal of a player. Um, so Jamon Osmond, like I said, 6'2", 218, got some good size to it. Just want to see a little bit more, more consistency against those SEC opponents. So I really want to see him get over that thousand yard mark and, and as close to 10 touchdowns, if not above it as he possibly can. So, and I hope, I think, Baylor Cup coming back. Um, DeMoss is there now. We've got wider. You know what I mean? Spiller, right? So the defenses are going to have to account for these other guys. So Osmond's got to gotta get it done. So we just got to get Kellen Mond to get it done too. But anyway, that's a different story. That's a whole different story. That's a whole other story, bro. That's a whole other story. John, who are you going to talk about, brother? All right. So I'm going to keep it quick, and I might have to pop out everyone because I have some um, other business to do soon. But – I'm going to focus on two that I love. The first one, man, George Pickens. If this young man was at Alabama or or LSU, mm -hmm. he would be on the top of absolutely everyone's list. He is a phenomenal prospect. Now, he was a five-star prospect by some grading systems, 24-7 sports, a four-star prospect from others. Chris – I don't mind four-star prospects. Like, no, no. As an AP teacher, it's like getting a four on the AP. Let me tell you, it's hard to get a four. It might not be a five. So Pickens. Now, Ricky was talking about our man, um, Jamie Newman. If Jamie Newman and Kirby Smart are really going to tweak this offense, George Pickens is the guy, folks. He's got to be the guy. Now, I love the talent. I think he's even going to be a better NFL prospect than college player unless Georgia really changes the system. And I seem to be on the minority on that. I think they're still going to run the football. But we'll see. I'm open-minded. But, man, 6'3", 191 pounds. And my friends, watch the tape. He plays with anger and purpose. He is a bully out there. I don't usually say it about the wide receivers, but man, he talks, he's physical, he chats it up, he is he he backs it up. You walk the walk, you talk the talk. George Pickens does it all. And he was doing it against SEC competition. This young man has everything that you are looking for. He's a Bolitnikoff Award preseason watch list. He's going to line up against the top cornerbacks in the nation. I cannot wait to see the battle in the battle. You got to watch George Pickens. This is going to be an amazing matchup. Every week, he's going up against the top cornerbacks and top safeties. Because I can't imagine a defensive coordinator in the SEC is not going to put a safety over the top 
on every play against George Pickens. And if they don't, it's malfeasance. Like, there is no way this young man cannot be double teamed with the safety on top. And you know what? He's still going to win. He's going to win a lot. He is big, physical. He can go deep on you. He can run outside the hash marks. He can beat you on crossing patterns. He's physical. He's not afraid to go in the middle of the field, but he'll also just sprint literally right by you and take you over the top. He is a fascinating player. And I'm old enough to remember A.J. Green playing at Georgia. I mean, and no one has loved Georgia running backs more than me. I go all the way back to Herschel Walker. There was, I mean, still one of those memorable. I was a freshman year in high school. The same year Herschel Walker was a freshman at Georgia. He took the nation by storm. Because you got to remember, in the old days, people, freshmen never played. If you look at anything in the 60s and 70s, you needed to be a junior to get on the field. When Herschel Walker busted out as a freshman, cover of Sports Illustrated, he was on the news every week. Herschel, and, and, and I love all these guys from Rodney Hampton, you know, to no Sean Moreno, to Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, to have a talent like George Pickens at Georgia is simply spectacular. If he's at Alabama, he's going. he would be the number one Debbie prospect. Let me, since we're talking about Alabama, the amount of talent that Nick Saban has recruited at the wide receiver position is simply sickening over the last four years. They just had two players in the first round, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And what's crazy Neither one of those players led the team in receiving. That was Devonta Smith. I'm not even going to talk about Devonta Smith. I'm going to talk about Jaden Waddle. They are loaded. What Nick Saban has done is what the Miami Hurricanes used to do in the 80s and the turn of the century. They were loaded at wide receiver. That is now what Nick Saban is doing. Jalen Waddle, man. He might explode. It's an interesting debate, Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle. So far, Devonta Smith has done better production-wise. But Jalen Waddle, 5'10", 182. PFF, first-team All-American punt returner. And SEC Special Teams Player of the Year. Look at day one, he's going to walk onto an NFL team and change the special teams. And a coach is going to love this young man for what he can do on special teams. He was a top 10 player in Texas, superstar high school recruit, and Saban got him out of Texas. He beat Texas A&M, Texas, mm -hmm. TCU. I mean, it's pretty amazing that he got him to come to Alabama. Now, on campus, you got to remember, friends, these numbers have been put up with Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith. Jalen Waddell in two years has 78 receptions for 1,408 yards and 13 touchdowns. 
if Matt Jones is efficient, he's not Tua. I get it. But when Tua got hurt and Matt Jones stepped in, that Alabama offense still could throw the ball. I don't expect Matt Jones to be terrific. You know what he's got to do? Be smart and get the ball into the playmaker's hands because he's got playmakers. I think Jaden Waddle is going to take a huge step in rankings. I think there's NFL scouts and teams that are absolutely obsessed with Jalen Waddle. Kind of on the down, there's Ricky, on the down low. You know, I think most people are looking at Devonta Smith because you look at stats and Smith blows you away. Jalen Waddle can be special. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical. I would love to see him at 192, 190. Maybe he'll get there by the combine. Jalen Waddle, Alabama is loaded once again. So I love those two. I love George Pickens and Jalen Waddle. And gentlemen, I'm sorry, but I got a tutor. I can't thank you enough for having me. Yeah, plug, 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 plug your show real quick. Plug your stuff real quick. Oh, sure. Um, go to DynastyDraftRoom.com. Um, my great partner, Matt, we do all types of Debbie, college fantasy football rankings, draft prospects on DynastyDraftRoom.com. We are the draft seminar or the Debbie seminar. And all my written work is on footballdiehards.com. And I can be found on Twitter, GridironSkull91. Thank you, but I do have to do some Zoom tutoring. So I, I got to leave. Again, I appreciate it so no much, worries. gentlemen. Look forward to having you on again, brother. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching. See you. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to transition into the guy that I'm going to talk about. I've talked about him a couple times on the show, but I feel the need to continue to talk about him. And that's Trevon Grimes from Florida. Um, 6'5", 215, four-star prospect. He was a six-ranked wide receiver in his class. This kid is athletic. He's a big body receiver with very solid upside. He runs a 4.4840 at 6'5". Okay, he's got blazing speed. Um, the thing about Grimes that I like the most is we haven't seen the best of his potential quite yet, right? Um, you know, just as much as I like a tall quarterback, as Stoops likes to um, talk about quite often on the show. I do like a big body receiver in the red zone. That that wingspan, the size, you just kind of toss it up and he catches it. And I think Trask is going to utilize that to a T this year. But if you think about it, Jefferson, Cleveland, Swan gone, 153 targets, 95 catches, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, wide open for this offense now. Grimes turned 23 of his 33 uh, receptions last year in the first downs. He led the team in uh, yards after the catch with 8.2, second on the team with yards per catch at 14.3. 36% of his catches last year went for 14 or more yards. One of them you see catch a little dump off, pass and take it straight to the house. And he outran literally everyone on the football field. And then of course you see another one where he catches it. He catches a little short comeback, takes it 60 yards to the house. He's got the blazing speed after the catch that's really going to showcase this year. I really like, obviously, we like Trask on this podcast. We talk about him a lot. You know, we promise not to bring him up too, too much today, but, you know, his name got out there a little bit. But Trask is going to get this kid the ball, and he's going to show his playmaking ability. Florida has all the capabilities of being taking that next step. And then, of course, you just turn to Grimes a little bit more. The first thing you notice whenever you watch Grimes' tape, third and five, fourth and 15, boom, catches the ball, first down, clutch. Third, medium short, fourth, medium short, 
eight targets, six catches, six first downs, right? He was Trask's go-to whenever he needed him at the end of last year. Red zone, 17% of his uh, catches happened here. Seven targets, six catches, two touchdowns, including where he made Kristen Fulton, who is a cornerback, obviously, at LSU now in the NFL, look absolutely foolish. As the season progressed, like I said, Trask trusted more in Grimes. And the open amount of targets is short in offseason. Grimes is going to be a factor that is going to help Trask. They have a relationship already. He's not a new body that's coming in. So a lot of the questions surrounding this season are going to be, what does the chemistry look like from the guys that have never played with these guys before? Well, it's not a question here. Throw in another year with Trask in the system and mix in the length and the game-changing speed. His route is if he, if he improves his route running and, and his playmate, big playmaking ability, this kid's going to skyrocket off the draft boards. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be a top five guy drafted because he's not going to be. Right. But he's going to be one of those middle of the round, third through five round guys when it's all said and done that you're going to want on right now on your Debbie team. I think we, you could get him so late in drafts mm -hmm. right now. People aren't even talking about Grimes. You know what I mean? Most he's not even going drafted in a lot of Debbie drafts. And it's understandable. There's 70, 80, 100 guys going ahead of this guy right now. And I think it's a mistake because this guy is going to be a touchdown producer in the NFL. I think he's got all of the talent in the world to have a game-breaking season this year, and I'm excited to see what Grimes done. This is one guy that I am trying to get so many different shares of because I feel like he's going to be productive on Sundays. Um, yeah, that's all I've got for Grimes. That's all i got for this episode. Folks, do us a favor. Head on over to themusiccitydrivein.com. Check out all the, the latest content being puffed out, whether it's rating, uh, rankings from Stoops and I, whether it's movie reviews, whether it's gaming content. We've got it all over there. And folks, don't forget about the Discord chat. Any, just jump in, 100% free. You get access to the five of us, and it's amazing content. Like I said, I've been kind of looking back and forth in between the episode here. We've got content just jumping in. Rate your team, rankings. We've got consensus redraft rankings. We've got rookie draft rankings. And, of course, Debbie, uh, Stoops and I have our Debbie rankings up right now, our top 25 Debbie rankings, um, which he has Kellen Mon overall number one. Um, give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990. Right. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. Give the show a follow at the Debbie Delight. Thank you so much for consistently tuning in. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. See y'all later.